There, there you are. Okay. All right. There we go. We're all three in the same room. Look at us. It worked. All right. That's good. That's all it we It worked. <laughs> That's right. Dad. Uh, whoa. Oh, is that you? Huh? Hey, Dad. Hey, hey Walker. Um, I'm about to join Will and Tony <laughs> for a podcast. So unless you have something um, you want to contribute about the game, then I'm going to need you to hang up. Okay. Do you have anything to contribute? Well, yeah. Um, I just—is he on the phone? I'm right here, man. I'm I'm waiting. I'm I'm waiting for your insight. Okay, so I just want to um say about what happened last night. I mean, it was a great game last night, but we didn't score much. It was only a field goal game. Yeah, that was. There were a lot of field goals. I'll give him that. Uh-huh. But you enjoyed sitting next to Will and talking football, didn't you? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Walker. Yeah. See you, Walker. Who's your favorite player on the team? DeAndre Walker, number 15. That makes sense. Yeah. Are you guys related? Yeah. Okay, I thought Technically. so. <laughs> I thought Technically. So. <laughs> I thought so. All right, buddy. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us, Walker. You're welcome. All right, make sure you hit the hang-up button. <laughs> okay. Uh, bye. 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 See you, Walker. You are listening to Episode 18 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast, the Georgia-Missouri post-game show. My name is Scott Duvall, and today on the podcast, Will Leach, Tony Waller, and I discuss the 9-6 to victory over the Tigers as Marshall Morgan hit a three-run homer in the bottom of the ninth to give the dogs the victory. <laughs> Was it great defense? Or maybe it was just bad offense. I don't know. Take your pick. But after two deflating losses for Georgia, a win, no matter how it happened, was a good thing as the annual cocktail party down in Jacksonville versus the Gators looms large in less than two weeks. So here we go with our look back for the Missouri game. Take it away, Will. All right, so final score, 9-6, to six, riveting. I'm sure for non-fans of both teams, there were many, 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 <laughs> many worrisome moments, but they got the win. Tony, what's your first takeaway from how Saturday went other than you? <laughs> well, I, I don't know how to spell that, but, <laughs> you know, I, the, the takeaway is that our defense played really well, and I've seen a lot of people, yeah, it's a terrible defense, a terrible offense, but that's what you should do to a terrible offense. We played exactly against a terrible offense like we should have played against a terrible offense. I made the comparison to Florida's offense uh, defense because I think all of us agreed that Florida has a really good defense. And we actually held Missouri to fewer rushing yards. We held them to fewer yards per play. Uh, we held them to lower their down, uh, down conversion rate. Uh, they had one drop of longer than five plays. So our defense played really well. Uh, the flip side is our offense played like you would expect our offense to play against a really good defense, which is not great. Although we did, we did okay, and we held the ball 38 minutes. Completed 72% of the passes. I've seen a couple of people make the, the point that if you need seven yards, Grayson Lambert can get you six 70% of the time. <laughs> and that's the most damning indictment of a quarterback situation I can think of. Scott, I was sitting next to you during this game, and I commented to you, and you certainly agreed with me on it. It was, and this is, of course, people in the post game, people talked about this. It is the amount of trust 
that they clearly have in Lambert at this point, for crying out loud, after he threw that interception that looked like it was an interception and turned out not to be an interception, he threw three passes the rest of the way. All were complete, by the way. They were all complete. But at that point, it was obvious they just didn't want anything to do with Lambert uh, turning the ball over at all. I think you called it um, about the second quarter, third quarter or something. You just kind of leaned over to me and was like, Mark Rick doesn't trust Grayson Lambert. And as it went, I started kind of nodding my head going like, yeah, it's amazing how we're running Brendan Douglas right up the middle for short yardage. Or even I think there was one time there was second 13 and we ran Douglas up the middle or a little bit off tackle. But I I was shocked to hear Tony just mention, because I hadn't looked at the stats, that he completed, what was the completion percentage? It was high. It was like almost 70. Yeah, I mean, and that's shocking because it's not like what the game that I saw because the game that I saw was just a plodding, frustrating, lack of offensive performance. But in the end, I mean, I was kind of feeling down on it. But then when I when I got home around midnight and I was able to see how Michigan lost and then I saw how Florida lost, well, then I realized that, hey, I'm not going to complain about what was one of the ugliest uh, offensive uh, victories Georgia has had now, defense top-notch, but I am not going to complain at all today. I'm happy we are 5-2. and two. We have the same record as Michigan, who was ranked 13th yesterday, and game day was in, the, in town. So, hey, I'm happy. We're 5-2. and two. we got an off week, and we have a lot to fix before Florida, but who knows? Maybe we'll do it. Yeah, I'm not going to complain, but there's a lot of stuff <laughs> that did not go well, and that 70% completion percentage, those are very, very conservative passes, many passes that went backwards. <laughs> and, yeah. and also, there are several of those incompletions. I think you can argue three of them very easily could have been picks. And to me, that was, that was the concern with Lambert. It wasn't so much that, they, that he wasn't able to make the big plays. It's that in a game like this, where it's plodding and everyone is just fighting for field position and Georgia's defense played so well, it is exactly the kind of game that you cannot have somebody turning the ball over, which he was in danger of doing so many times. And frankly, I thought the whole Lambert thing was, this is why he's there over Ramsey, because he makes better decisions with the ball. But you even, you know, even Rick afterwards, he said there was some shaky decision-making going on. Uh, and again, you know, they still won the game. And uh, they're, they're fortunate to do so. But to me, this was of all the games. And again, I've been on Lambert a lot, as everybody knows, since the beginning of this year. But this was probably the most concerning to me. Not so much that there were passes that he couldn't make, but there were some very poor decisions and some vi- a lot of near turnovers. And if Lambert is going to turn the ball over, which could have happened multiple, multiple times in this game, if he's going to turn the ball over, I mean, that's, that's, he's, he's in there specifically not to do that. I actually think last night was a worse performance for him yeah. than the Alabama game. Because Agreed. the Alabama game, well, he didn't. I, I think their, their defense played better against our passing game than Missouri's defense did. Um, Lambert just, despite completing 71% of his passes, had a really bad night. There were three or four passes that he threw at the receiver's feet with no reason to do it. The first pass, he just. I mean, he just did not see the guy standing in the passing lane. I mean, just straight. I mean, it wasn't like the linebacker that tipped the pass. The linebacker was actually surprised the ball was coming at him so fast. It's hard to get your head around that he looks progressively worse this season. But, again, this is 
you know, you said it from day one, and I didn't believe it, but now I do, that this is the Grayson Lambert, this is the Grayson Lambert we got from Virginia. And the, the part that's hard for me to get my head around is that how did we get in this situation? I mean, you know, we have quarterback misses. That happens. But this is a bad, bad, bad quarterback miss. And I'm not really talking about Grayson Lambert as much as I am that we are, you know, this is a bad quarterback miss recruiting and development-wise. Because Jacob Park was here, although he, you can make the argument he was on. He was he was a hot mess to start off with, but even at that with Ramsey, yeah. we should be in a better position than we are. Yeah, you know when it comes to Ramsey, I was thinking about this. To me, you know, I, again, I pile on Lambert, but you know, I mean, come on, this this guy's a a transfer from Virginia that kind of came in very late. Uh, piling on him, what we're really doing is saying Ramsey's the mess. To me, the look and see how Lambert has. You know, there was no Ramsey series yesterday. You know, to see how poorly Lam- uh, Ramsey played and to still have no, not only no, not even the Ramsey sequence, but never really a calling for Ramsey. The reason we're in this mess is because Ramsey has not worked out. Lambert was a desperation play, and this is what happens when you have to play a desperation play. Uh, Will, how many times do you hear buzzing in the fans when, when you're sitting there watching a game where the quarterback's struggling, where people behind you and in front of you are saying, hey, put in... So and so quarterback, you know, the backup quarterback. He's always labeled as the most popular player on campus, and you didn't hear that. There was no buzz because everybody knows, like, this is what we got. Unless we try to run some kind of crazy wildcat package with uh, Valta in there, which might be beneficial to try nowadays, then Ramsey, after six games, is just not that grave an option, and that's why it's not happening. I mean that too in a macro sense that like on one hand I want to be like how did he get in this situation but to me the answer to the situation is Bryce Ramsey is not what they thought he was going to be and that's why you're in this situation. Right. Do you agree with that right. Tony? Yes, 100%. I think that's kind of the point I was making is that you know, we have had if you kind of look at what Rick's history has been we've had development in recruiting misses about once every five years. We're due. I mean you could say Mason was, was close to that although he certainly was, I think, far more serviceable or, or, or over the course of the season was far more serviceable in what we wanted to do offensively. And I don't think you can discount what happened with Nick Chubb last week and playing into what we did. Because I was a little surprised. I, we, we didn't rush in the edge as much. We sent Sony up the middle. Sony is not a not exactly the runner that, that Chubb was. He has a tendency to dance around a hole a little bit. But, um, you know, it's just kind of bad when you sit down and look at our offense and – we're still trying to do the same thing we were doing with Nick Chubb, and it's clear that Sony Michelle is a very good running back. He needs to come off the edge more. I, I, it's just, and, and we didn't. No, give Missouri defense credit. They're a very good defensive team, especially against the run. But we helped them out a lot with our passing game. Okay, well, so let's talk about something happy. The defense did look excellent. Missouri's not a great offense, but they're not. No, this is not a horrible, horrible offense. It's certainly they have there, there's some skill out there. But Georgia, even if there weren't any skill out there, Georgia still shut them down in a pretty impressive way. Frankly, without some key defenders, you know, if there's one thing to take away happy from a nine-six game is that the other team only scored six points. And you know, not only did they play really well, they seemed in control of everything that was going on pretty much from the beginning. And three of those points were gift points. Right. We, right, I mean, Kenneth right. Towns made a, probably a game-saving tackle on the first play of the game by getting that guy out of bounds on the one-yard line. I mean, you cannot underestimate that. I mean, they had yeah. one drive of longer than five yards, uh, five yeah. plays. Yeah. And, and they got, 
you know, basically, if you look at Bill Conley's numbers, any time you're inside the one, like the point value of that's like 6.2, and we forced them into a, kick, a field goal. It was huge. I'm sorry, Scott. It was I interesting. Just, I, I had no, to... no. I'll edit you wrong in the podcast. You know, I'll get you back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make you say bad words or uh, inappropriate things. No. What I was saying was, even though it was six three at one point and then six six and then we missed the field goal like with four minutes left i never had that twinge i don't know maybe it's because i'm over it but i never had that twinge of like oh my gosh we're gonna lose this game i felt confident i really did i felt confident because of how well we were playing on defense the only way i felt that they were going to get loose or have some kind of crazy end of the game was through special teams through a kick return or through a block one of our many uh punts that we had for one of them to get blocked but I had full confidence that we were just going to come through. And, you know, I even had confidence in Morgan after he missed the one kick. It's almost like we're near on the golf course. I mean, at least for me, I'll hit a terrible first drive. I know my second drive is going right down the middle. And I'm like a 22 handicap. So uh, it's, just, it's just how it is. You know, he got, the, he got that experience with the first kick. But, yeah, it, it's strange. I didn't feel that concerned. Did, we all, did you all feel the same way, or was that just me? Uh, so for me, I was concerned in that – I thought Lambert was going to throw an interception that was going to cost him the game. <laughs> yeah, to be entirely true. honest, like that, I did not think Missouri was going to put together some big drive, and uh, that was not happening yesterday. Georgia's defense was outstanding. You're right from the very first possession, and you know that Tony, you're exactly right. The that tackle at the one Kenneth yard line. Kenneth Towns, his name. Kenneth yeah. Towns changed Save everything. Changed the tone. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah, imagine if it's seven zero, and then we're watching uh, Lambert the rest of the way, and Lambert feels like maybe he's going to press a little bit more, and then that gets even uglier. So yeah, so I I was concerned. Not so much that uh, I was concerned on two levels. One, that Lambert was going to throw an interception that cost him a game. Two, that we were even kind at this point anyway, <laughs> where this get home game against a, a, a reeling Missouri team. It's so vital toward, you know, I mean, I want to talk a little bit about the vibe at at, uh, Sanford yesterday. Obviously, it was going to be down a little bit uh, after the Alabama game and after the Tennessee game, but it was really down. (laughs) It was definitely, it was a beautiful night last night. It was a great night for a game. It was a little chilly, but it was really just a terrific night for a game. But, you know, even for a homecoming game where the... The uh, the elderly band people and I, I love the old cheerleaders and the straw hats and the and the uh, and 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 all of that. But man, the the certainly the vibe there. You knew that Georgia had lost two in a row, and this is something I've talked to both of you guys about. It, it, it kind of it's kind of strange for me to see how down everyone can get around here uh, when it looks like they're not going to win the national championship or they're not going to make the playoff and. You know that that's still a little jarring to me because even in that miserable miserable rain at the beginning of the Alabama game, people were hyped uh, to get that thing started. And I think people were hyped for the South Carolina game, and it was it, the place was full pretty much, but the energy level I think from the beginning was pretty low, and the game really didn't do much to really increase it. I mean, the only only thing I would disagree about that is I felt like the energy level was relatively high, especially in the fourth quarter. Once we actually took the lead, yeah. Um, yeah, that's fair. You know, we you know we missed the field goal. It was, Missouri had the ball twice in the fourth quarter after the missed field goal, and they went three and out basically and lost the yard. They had the ball one minute and thirteen seconds, and then we kicked off after the what turned out to be the game winning field goal, and then they went four plays almost seven yards, and uh, it was. If 
I didn't know better, if I just turned this in, I'd almost thought it was like a Bronx cheer for the game-winning field goal. It, it wasn't sarcastic, but it had potential to be sarcastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> the, the, the matter is, is that our defense did what it took to win. And Scott, did kind of bridge on your point. It was special teams that kind of won the game for us. I mean, that, that, that yeah, Malcolm Mitchell. Malcolm Mitchell knocking the ball loose there, and I, I saw him say, oh, he was inside the one-yard thing. I was like, like I'm, I'm sorry, you, you can't pull your flag out. I mean, uh, clearly SEC officials can't even pull their fish out. They, I probably just got flags for saying that. But uh, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, is that we, we, won, we won on special teams. We were competent in kickoff coverage. You know, we had a better net kickoff than they did. We had three punts inside the, the 20-yard line. No touchbacks from punting. Uh, that's as confident as we've seen this season. And outside of us stopping and, and saying, okay, okay, thank, Christian, thank you, just hand the ball off now. I thought Schottenheimer's game plan was okay. I can't, for the life of me, figure out why we decided to, to run the ball up the middle with Brennan Douglas on fourth and one when they had ten guys in the box. That I, when I saw that, I told I just told my buddy I was with. Him, I was like, I said, "Hey, hey, Brad, we're about to run this zone replay that we got to touch out against Stop Andy on." And he had the ball off. I was like, "Oh, oh don't do that." <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I think a little of what happened can be laid at the feet of Schottenheimer, um, but I, I just can't I can't get over how Lambert has gone downhill through this season. Well, we have off week. And for what it's worth, you know, it's funny, Scott, you brought up the Michigan game and the Florida game. To me, like, you know, I feel like no matter what I go through with any of my sports teams for an extended period of time, it will not be what Michigan went through yesterday. (laughs) That is one of the, I cannot, it's hard to overstate how awful of a way to lose a game that is. But for Florida, it's worth noting what we said, we said from the get-go, Florida, if that that game in two weeks is going to be exciting, and it's going to be relevant, it's going to be a big deal. So as as much of a struggle as yesterday was, a win over Florida, and all of a sudden, I bet there's a lot more people and a lot more excitement at that Kentucky game. Well, I think you know I, I'm, I've been very careful not to talk about controlling our destiny and SEC championship since the loss to Tennessee, and I'm not saying it now. My destiny is to go to Jacksonville and walk out of there with a win. That is my destiny. Amen. I don't want to walk out of there because Florida fans are not going to be nearly as gracious, and by gracious I mean shell-shocked as they were last year. Uh, It is going to be a long trudge, and I actually have the seats I have secured um, are in the Florida section. And I'm not afraid of sitting in the Florida section. I'm saying, if I, can, if I can sit in the Florida section in 2003, I think I can handle this year. But I think the point you're making, Will, is, is a good one in that, you know, we have basically a week this week to fix, whether that be scheme or player issues or whatever, to fix some of the stuff we saw yesterday. Because Florida's offense is as good as Missouri's. And, I'm willing to say that their defenses are, are very similar. They both play very strong up front. They like to stunt and bring pressure from all over. Um, I think Florida probably has a little deeper talent, uh, which is scary. Uh, but that also means that they're going to rely on some one-on-one matchups, putting Hargraves maybe out on Mitchell. Um, so that means we have places to exploit. But yesterday showed that we might not be so willing to, to try that, and that, that's concerning. Are we are we kind of transitioning? I'd like to give the updates on our pick'em contest. Okay, get them. Hit us. What do you got? 
So basically, um, we all had pretty decent weeks last week, the three of us. And the overall standings through seven weeks, Polar Shark is still in the lead. UGA Carey, not far out. She is down to tied for 15th, only about you know 20-something points out of the league. But let's give a hand to Tony Waller, a.k.a. Tyler Dogden. He is only 33 points out of first place. And that's that's quite impressive on for everything that's gone down so far. And you know what, Will? You and I are separated after seven weeks by only one point. I'm tied for 60th. You're tied for 63rd. So, hey, we've still got a chance for the overall title. Proving once again, you and I share a brain. We share. You know what? Considering that we're that you live in the sports realm and have for many years, and I just kind of entered it uh, about six months ago, I'll take that as a compliment. Of course, by all means. It's also and also everyone <laughs> is discovering too that, that that what everyone, of course, that works in sports already knows is that everyone that works in sports knows no, absolutely nothing more <laughs> than, nothing. than anyone more than anyone else does. Um, all right, well, we will be back. We're going to do a special show this week, and uh, uh, we're going to have a little off-air production meeting to discuss that because I have a couple ideas I'm going to toss out after we wrap this up. But mostly, this was very fun. They won 9-6. to six. Like There were times they could have lost that game, and they didn't, which means we can all, if they win against Florida, and all of a sudden this, this season has a lot different tenor to it. So all we got to do is Amen. win that in two weeks. I like the positive outlook. Exactly. Let's stay positive. Exactly, exactly. All right, so, okay, guys, here's what I was thinking. I actually had an idea. I thought that I might come up with a list of questions. I would actually love to have you guys put together your rankings 1 to 13 of the most objectionable to least objectionable SEC conference teams. And then I will ask you guys certain questions that I have felt I don't quite understand about the fan base or I don't quite understand about the history or so on. And then you guys can, can answer them. I thought it would be kind of – and then we can still do picks. And, if you, and, Scott, if you want to talk some NFL stuff, we certainly can. But I thought it would be a good kind of like take a break and talk about Georgia history and Georgia fan base in a way that uh, is a fun off-week thing. I think that's a good idea. All right. I'll come up with some stuff uh, tomorrow. And, then, and you can have it most loathsome. You can have it be most – uh, painful to lose to, but we'll go through one to thir- thirteen to one uh, for each of them. I think it'll be kind of a fun thing to do. But don't share your list. No, no, I would never share anything like that with Tony. <laughs> okay, good. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Scott's list is going to be who has the best alternative uniform. So, of course, of course. Ooh, hey, hey, you must be reading my mind. <laughs> yes, good guess. How'd you come up with that one, Doctor? You guys come up with your list, and I'll, I'll have questions for you guys. Tony, take us out. Don't think too hard, but I'm sorry. I'm trying to think of what to say. That's our wrap-up for Missouri. You can follow the podcast at WSLS Podcast and on Twitter. You can find Scott at Joe Films on Twitter. Uh, you can find me, Tony Waller, Tyler Dogton, and Will at William F. Leach. Please rate, subscribe, and give us reviews on iTunes. Or you can follow us on SoundCloud or several other places like George Sports Live. Go dogs. So the dogs are taking a well-deserved week off, but we are not. Listen out for our next show later this week as we'll prepare some interesting questions for Tony and me to answer about Georgia football history. And you heard Tony mention our Twitter handle, at WSLS Podcast. If you've been tuning into this podcast for a while, perhaps you have some of your own questions you'd like for us to tackle about Georgia or anything else for that matter. And if you can tweet them to us by Wednesday, 
October 20th at 8 p.m. That's when we will record our next show. We'll see if we can add them to whatever list Will has come up with. So that's your homework assignment for this week. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you on campus sometime soon. Take care.